Brown right along ringside. By golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Sully, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. That's right, guaranteed 100% territory talk each and every week here on this show. And I am your host, Ray Russell. And this week, we're going to continue on our journey through the year of 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling, along with guest co-host Jamie Ward. Yes, that's right. This week, we'll be closing out the month of March in 1981 as we take a look at a very important piece of Georgia TV history as well as look at another awesome Omni card as well. And you're going to want to stay tuned this week, guys, as the fabulous Freebirds, they aren't here to play, no, no, but they're most definitely here to stay, and nobody will know that better than one Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog, who will find out firsthand on back-to-back nights that when Michael Hayes tells you something, it's probably going to happen. Awesome storytelling upcoming, some of the greatest pieces of wrestling storylines and angles in all of wrestling history, a hell of a program going on right now in Georgia between the fabulous Freebirds, Ted DiBiase, JYD, and now Wildfire, Tommy Rich. But before we get rolling, just a friendly reminder, you can listen to Regional Wrestling and our sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, currently heading into the month of October in our 1987 in the WWF project. Next stop, it's the October 3rd edition of Saturday Night's Main Event, where we will see one of the biggest angles of the Hulkamania era, the self-professed greatest intercontinental champion of all time, the Honky Tonk Man, has started a war with the former champ, the Macho Man Randy Savage, and they will meet for the very first time on TV as part of the NBC program. You guys know the story by now. Honky Tonk Man going to toss the lovely Elizabeth to the mat, going to play a tune on the head of the Macho Man, courtesy of the guitar, and then we witness the formation of the Mega Powers as Hulk Hogan heads ringside to help out the Macho Man, and we get the handshake that made time stand still, if only for a moment. Yes, the Mega Powers will be formed, and things will never, ever be the same again next week on the Wrestling Memory Grenade. And you can also listen to our podcast, Monday Warfare, The Battles Within. It's Raw versus Nitro as we chronicle and break down the weekly saga that was the Monday Night War. I'll review the shows. We'll talk head to head. We'll look at everything going on around the promotions at the time, both in the ring as well as behind the scenes. And of course, we'll take a deep dive into those pesky, TV ratings. Always a fun time looking back at what would force the evolution of the wrestling business. And right now, we're in the middle of August in 1996, coming out of the Hog Wild pay per view in WCW with new World Championship Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, or is it the NWO Champion, Hulk Hogan? And the WCW roster, guys, is becoming stacked with the likes of Dean Malenko. Eddie and Chavo Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, Benoit, Psychosis, Ultimo Dragon, 
So much TV goodness ahead there on Monday Nitro. Then over in the world of the WWF, Ahmed Johnson has just suffered a major kidney injury and he has to vacate that Intercontinental title while Shawn Michaels is slated to defend his WWF Championship against Vader at the upcoming SummerSlam. Plus, The Undertaker and Mankind continue their war as they await the Boiler Room Brawl. And you can listen to all of those shows and more as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com. That's WrestleCopia.com and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And be sure to follow me on social media, guys. Follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow me on social media for all the latest goings on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And speaking of videos, make sure you subscribe right now to my YouTube channel. You can find me there at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. 500 videos and counting, uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VHS collection by converting it all to digital. And before we get going, just have to once again thank all of the loyal listeners of the WrestleCopia brand. Your support means so much to me as well as the brand itself. Please continue to promote the shows you enjoy, retweeting, liking, following, subscribing. And if you have a couple minutes, guys, leave us a quick positive review on your favorite podcast streaming service. It goes a long way. And if you enjoy the stuff that I put out there, the time and the effort that goes into producing quality, professional content that hopefully not only informs, but also entertains, now would be a B-E-A-U-T-Full time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find me there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Multiple tiers to choose from, but I only ask you to give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Going to get you all sorts of gifts for just $5, including all of my insanely detailed book-like show notes, pages upon pages of show notes, for every episode of the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Plus, you'll get early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. You can listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Also, you'll receive remastered versions of the earliest episodes of The Grenade, covering the 1989 NWA project. Includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints edited right back into the show. But that's not all. You'll also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure. Patrons love the digital downloads, guys. And of course, our Patreon-exclusive watch-along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, Coliseum videos, Saturday Night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. Plus, random bonus video drops, news clipping ads. You never know what I'm going to add next to that $5 all-access tier. And you get all of that, as I just said, for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows, plus Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, random bonus videos, newspaper clippings, and so much more for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. Show your support. Give it a try for a month. I think you'll like the content I offer. And every penny of it, guys, goes right back here into paying the bills 
and keeping the WrestleCopia podcast network up and running for the months and the years to come. And now with all of that out of the way, all right, guys, it's time to head back to 1981 one more time for some more Georgia Championship Wrestling. guys and away we go more georgia on our mind this week going to talk a pair of very important pieces of georgia championship wrestling history here going to tackle an episode of gcw tv leading into the march 29th omni card as well and i'm not going to waste any time so let's bring them back one more time here mr jamie ward welcome back to regional wrestling uh, it's been way too long, right? I'm excited. Let's get ready to rock and roll and hoochie coo. All right. I love to just jump right back in. And man, you always say something that references something that I'm doing on my other podcast, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, the Pile Driver album, ready to drop on the Wrestling Memory Grenade Show in 1987. Rick Derringer and uh, Mean Gene. You love that version, don't you? See, great minds think alike, right? <laughs> You're doing that, and I'm thinking of it. <laughs> hey, at least I have a reason to be thinking of it. I, I don't know what your excuse is, Jamie. <laughs> stupid stuff sticks that's what happens there you go well before we get any further into the year here of 1981 jamie fairly soon we're gonna get to the point where we can pretty much watch all or at least most of the tv for the remainder of the year in its entirety for the most part but this early part of 1981 it's taken a lot of extra research reading various clippings and results and fanzines tons of extra work extra diving into my old tapes for TV footage to find things like the detailed results and the sound bites that you guys hear on the show. And that makes this show as detailed as it is doing all of that, Jamie. That said, I have to thank the likes of the following names for their past and perhaps continued contributions to keeping historical records of wrestling history. At least it's history now, maybe not then when they were doing it, but I got to thank names like Philippe Zimmerman, Keeling Smith, who always noted he was aided by Fred Adams and Thomas Davis. Also, 100% have to say thanks to the late, great Terry Justice. And in regards to some of the missing Georgia TV that we've been covering, absolutely must thank Mr. Walt Walansky. I don't have all of his detailed TV recaps for Georgia, but it has definitely helped us put together pieces of the puzzle on more than one occasion. So big thank you to Walt, and I hope he's doing well. Yeah, I believe Walt's from the Philadelphia area, but somehow I've never crossed paths with him. Never crossed paths. Maybe maybe there's a reason no. for that. <laughs> well, I'm lucky him, not me. <laughs> so uh, last week, well, last time we were here, you were here, Jamie, coming out of the March 21st edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling on WTBS. Now a week away from the next big Omni card. Going to look at some house show results heading into the following week. And we're going to start off with March 22nd, Chattanooga, Tennessee. At the Memorial Auditorium, it's Jerry Oates going to a draw with Bobby Eaton, Big Jim Duggan over Mike Davis, Steve O scoring a win over Joe LaDuke, Steve Kern over buddy Kevin Sullivan, and in the main event, Fabulous Freebirds over the team of Ted DiBiase and Mr. Wrestling 2. 
We'll roll on to the following day, March the 23rd, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. Again, Jim Duggan over Mike Davis. Les Thornton, the NWA junior champion back in town, going to a draw with Charlie Cook. It's wrestling two over Joe LaDuke. Steve O defeating national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, by disqualification. And in the main event this time, it's stated that Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller, still here, kinda, over the team of the fabulous Freebirds. Now, I have to imagine either it was non-title or maybe a count-out or DQ there. Yeah, most likely. And I believe this would be Fuller's last match from things that I have seen. I think but he does. We'll find out as we go along. Yeah, I think he does pop up per, maybe one more time, if I remember correctly. But we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. I, I could be wrong, but I think that's what I saw when I was going over my notes. But we'll see when we get there. Right now, we're going to go on another house show before we head back to WTBS Studios, March the 25th, Columbus, Georgia. Oats country, if you will, in the Memorial Auditorium. It's Mike Davis over Ken Timms. Steve Kern defeating Bob Garrett. It's Ted DiBiase beating good friend Big Jim Duggan. You think maybe they met in Georgia? I was just thinking that today. Okay. A lot of friendships were probably made right around this time because a lot of guys do cross paths several more times throughout their career. Yeah, I just thought maybe this was the first encounter between these two. Pretty cool to see Ted DiBiase going going over here on Jim Duggan. Also on the card, it's World Junior Champion Les Thornton defeating Steve O. In a rematch from last week here in the Columbus, Georgia area, Ted Oates, this time defeating Bobby Eaton in a what's referred to as a street clothes match. I'm assuming that's a street fight, maybe come as you are, if you will. And after defeating the Stomper in a non-title match on the local Columbus TV in the main event, it's Jerry Oates defeating national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper yet again, this time on a disqualification. So the Oates boys doing Columbus, Georgia proud here. Ted Oates continuing to go over on Bobby Eaton in their little mini feud in Columbus. And then in the main event, Jerry Oates scoring another big win over the Stomper, even if it's by disqualification. Yeah, hey, the Oates brothers will take a win any way they can get it, but it is really good how they never bury the Oates in their supposed hometown of Columbus, uh, Georgia. Yeah, it's so weird. You you see them pop up on TV, maybe the Omni, maybe a few other house shows, but once they get to Columbus, Georgia, they're the real deal. They're clearly selling the house. I don't know what the uh, the arena drew there in Columbus, but they're a big part of those shows. There's no doubt about it. You can see it right there. They're in the semi-main and the main event. Yeah, and that's, hey, if you're drawing money, that's why they put you there. All right, guys, and here's what you came for. We're heading into the weekend of the next Omni card. <laughs> big things ahead here this weekend, Jamie. Some really big things as we move on to March the 28th, Atlanta, Georgia, WTBS Studios, and we kick the show off hot. Gordon Soley announcing that Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog will, in fact, challenge the Freebirds for the national tag team titles right here in our number one of the program. Remember last week, Michael Hayes issued the challenge for here this week on TV? Well, we never really heard a confirmation from DiBiase and the Dog last week, but here it is. Also, Soley announcing that Ric Flair has been named the number one contender to Harley Race's NWA World Heavyweight Championship, but Tommy Rich, a close second behind. And the Nature Boy, he'll be here on TBS next week. So Ric Flair, the number one contender, he's going to be here in Atlanta next week. Tommy Rich, not too far behind there, which is pretty cool for the local fans here, specifically in Atlanta. And of course, hey, we got a hell of a tag team match here this week on TV. Yes, and it was one hell of a tag team match, and... After we uh, listen to a little bit of it and everything, everyone will understand why. 
Yeah, it's just so cool. Last week, they never told us for sure if we were going to get the match or not. I kept waiting for DiBiase and Dog to accept the challenge, and it seemed like they never really did. But Gordon confirms it at the beginning of the show here this week. It will indeed go down in hour number one as in comes Wildfire Tommy Rich for a promo. Tommy talks a change in his heart and philosophy since he went away. Soli calls it a maturation process in his own emotions. I wrote, wow, that's deep. Gordon Soli getting a little deep there with Tommy Rich. Tommy says at one time he was disappointed in himself, not realizing that the fans were with him the entire time. So veiled comments there to explain his heel run in Memphis yet again. Perhaps he thought he had lost the fans and he didn't care anymore, explaining his heel turn. But he realizes now the fans were with him all along. Yeah, it, that's a good thing for uh, Tommy to come out and a nice little segment with Gordon. For those fans that get to see both Memphis and Atlanta, it gets to explain what was uh, going on in Tommy's heart while he wasn't in Atlanta and that him coming back home has put him back on the right path. Yeah, great story. And again, with Bill Watts booking, TBS, of course, was national on cable TV. Watts loved to explain away everything so that nobody is left questioning the legitimacy of things, explaining Tommy's heel run seen in the Memphis Territory and likely those who got the after mags. Well, now we have an explanation as to Tommy's brief change in attitude, but the wildfire we all know and love is indeed back. He's back here in his home of Atlanta, Georgia. As we head to the ring, the wildfire Tommy Rich in action, going to score a quick win here over Jim Nelson, the future Boris Zukov. And also private Jim Nelson. Yeah, the private. One of Slaughter's many privates. And then up next, originally scheduled for tomorrow night at the Omni, guys. Last week, Michael Hayes issued the challenge offered for the Freebirds to defend the national tag team titles against the Junkyard Dog and Ted DiBiase here today on TV, just 24 hours prior to Hayes' birthday bash. And it appears as though the challenge has indeed been accepted. Here it is, national tag team titles on the line. It's the champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts taking on the team of Ted DiBiase and the Junkyard Dog. And it's a fun matchup and angle, which you can watch right now in its entirety on my YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade. And the quality, guys, is amazing given the time period, if I do say so myself. Match was going along good here, Jamie. About 10 minutes in, the birds have been working over JYD when Dog was able to make that big hot tag to Ted DiBiase, who came in all bonzo gonzo, if you will. Teddy, the proverbial house of fire here, but as DiBiase went to run the ropes, the third freebird, Michael Hayes on the outside, pulled open the ropes, causing DiBiase to bump through them and out to the floor, where he received a Terry Gordy pile driver on the concrete. Something both the referee Nick Patrick and partner Junkyard Dog didn't see. Yet Teddy somehow managed to beat the count back inside. Unbelievable, guys. But from there, DiBiase received not one, not two, but three more pile drivers in the ring with Gordy covering after each pile driver, DiBiase somehow managing to barely kick out every time. So four pile drivers counting the one on the floor. And I'll say it again, Jamie, unbelievable. Refusing to quit, Gordy sets DiBiase up for an insane fifth pile driver when Tommy Rich shows up ringside and throws in the towel to prevent any further permanent damage to DiBiase, who simply has too much heart 
to quit. And right now, Jamie, we're going to go back and listen to the end of the matchup, picking up with DiBiase taking a spill through the ropes, and we'll follow it through the four pile drivers. Listen closely, guys, to Gordon Soley's amazing commentary throughout this segment. DiBiase getting set on Buddy Ro- Ooh, Michael Hayes opened up those ring ropes, and it was, uh, wait a minute, DiBiase outside the ring. DiBiase caught. He's caught into that. Ooh. He caught him with a pile driver on the concrete. The referee, the junkyard dog over in that far corner. Nobody could have, and they're down. Michael Hayes calling for the count. And the count is on, and it has to be all over. It just... It's a count of five, and it's, it's gone. Six. No! DiBiase! DiBiase rolling back into that ring! DiBiase! What a magnificent courage! He's got to be acting on instinct alone. And it's Gordy bringing him up. Another pile driver. Another pile driver, and DiBiase. Well, this is all. This is. to be out. And there's a very confident Mike Lays too. And again he powered out. DiBiase powered out. Another what great courage. What fantastic second effort. DiBiase. There is no way any human being can take the kind of punishment. He's unbelievable. He is absolutely unbelievable. Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, uh, Buddy Roberts, all three studies in frustration, but I'm a study of absolute amazement. Wait a minute. Tommy Rich just threw in the towel. Tommy Rich just threw in the towel. There was no way the junkyard dog, who was kept crying for uh, DiBiase to tag up, there's no way he could have known about that one in the concrete. But Rich must have seen it on the monitor, but Rich is in there exploding, and it is uh, Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Buddy Roberts leaving the ring, but Tommy Rich has thrown in the towel before... Uh, we could have possibly seen an end to a wrestling career, but it is, uh, and they're down there administering now to uh, Ted DiBiase. Let me, uh, wait a minute, wait, well, no, he's hemorrhaging, don't, he's hemorrhaging, don't move him, don't move him, do not move him, please, don't move the man, let's call an ambulance, let's call an ambulance, please, don't move him, do not move him, leave him absolutely still, somebody call an ambulance right away, we'll be back, we'll be back in just a moment, please. Ted DiBiase is now being uh, loaded uh, uh, on a stretcher. They have spent a considerable amount of time now very carefully uh, putting a back brace or a back scoop under his body. All right, so there we go, Jamie. I mean, you've seen the match recently yourself. I mean, the door is open. Share your thoughts about this angle, the way it played out, Gordon Soley's commentary. Whatever you have to say, please share it with everyone out there. I mean, this has to be, in my lifetime anyway, probably the greatest angle I ever saw on Georgia Championship Wrestling. I actually got to see this one live at my buddy's house when it occurred. It was just amazing that, you know, at the time, I'm, I'm not smart to the business. DiBiase kicks out of four pile drivers, including one on the concrete floor. It just shows how great DiBiase was in selling. Did you catch the, it's either the second or the third pile driver. He takes it like a wooden plank. They hit the ground and he is perfectly 
perpendicular. Yes, yeah, straight up. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it was the second one, but I'm not. It could be. You're right. It was the second or third one. I know what you're you're talking about. Yeah, I remember. Seeing and, that. And, and then he just falls over, you know, stiff as a board, right down. It was just completely amazing. And then you have Gordon after Tommy uh, throws the towel in, and they shoot to that one side angle where you can see Gordon in the background and Gordon taking charge, telling him, do not move the man, do not move the man. Gordon was at the top of his game here too. Everybody involved in this match. Every aspect, every little detail. Yes. No, these guys didn't plan this. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I get the angle was planned out, but the little things that weren't planned out, like Hayes obviously he opens the ropes, DiBiase takes the bump to the floor. If you watch, Hayes walks over and slaps Gordy, his own partner. What are you doing? Get over here and kill the man. Pile drive him. Pyle drives him on the concrete after instructions from Michael Hayes as Gordy was just kind of standing there. And Hayes says, yeah. no, let's, let's, let's do away with this guy. And then he beats the count back in, back in by eight or nine, which is unheard of, a pile driver on the floor back in this time period. And he hits him again, and he kicks out again. And maybe four was overkill in any time frame, I think, especially back in that, that time. But I get what they were going for. DiBiase had the heart. He was kicking out whether he really should have been or not. And Gordon Soley getting over the point twice during this that the junkyard dog missed the pile driver on the floor. Maybe he would have gotten more involved in the match. The reason the referee allowed the match to continue, the reason the dog wasn't more involved during the Gordy DiBiase stuff in the ring was because they both missed that pile driver on the floor and Gordon making sure repeatedly to put that over, make sure we knew that. But still after the second pile driver in the ring, the third overall, you would have thought JYD would have entered in and, <laughs> and broken up at that point. You would have thought, it, yeah, but it's Tommy Rich who comes out and throws in the talons instead. Uh, that's because Tommy Rich is the man that wears the blue suit and the red cape right now. Yeah, and I feel like if this was uh, JCP in the mid-'80s, that would have been Dusty Rose on the way out there throwing in the towel, baby. Got to get involved in everything there. but <laughs> Yeah, but, but, but all right, just, just a quick sidetrack. You know, we, we do pick on Dusty a lot, but the guy was over. And we didn't know about Virgil Reynolds back no, then. No, no, no. But what, what would they say? 50, 2020? Uh, hindsight's 20, yeah, hindsight's 2020. Yeah, hindsight's 2020. Yeah. And uh, well, anyway, back to back to this match. There, there's only one bad piece of this match. Watch the part where Hayes opens up the ropes. DiBiase had plenty of time to stop. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, uh, if you're, if you're uh, going to nitpick there, Jamie, damn it, yeah, ruin everything. But, <laughs> but, the ca- but the camera angle was straight on. Oh, yeah. No, but it was, so, it was just a really well done angle. I mean, solely amazing there. Hyped up, selling the story, putting over the heart of Ted DiBiase, realizing the dangers of moving Ted after the match, instructing the other wrestlers and Nick Patrick not to move him and call for an ambulance. Real quick at the end there, returning from break, we even hear Gordon's voice completely change throughout the commercials to one of a very serious and worried Gordon Soley for Ted DiBiase's well-being. Really cool stuff. And I want to go back just really quickly to Dusty Rhodes. Yes, I give him shit all the time. Me and my son, like I said, we've been binging Mid-Atlantic, so it's very easy right now to point out Dusty flaws in the booking. Uh, But at the same time, you know, we, we love him, and it's fun watching him, and it's just it's all in good fun, really. It's not like, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, uh, I hate the man or, you know, whatever. I, I grew up a big Dusty fan. So whenever anybody listens to us talk like that about the dream, I'm really just having some fun with them. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. 
I and, just had uh, I had a little, little little bit of feedback on that we're a little bit too negative on Dusty, so uh, I just wanted to monster kept, Dusty fan out there. I I apologize, kind of guys. Set the but, record, <clears throat> kind of set the record straight that we don't hate Dusty. It's just that we're looking from that perspective of thirty years later, and we have learned so much about exactly what he was doing behind the scenes that it it just brings it out of us. Oh when, yeah, I mean that, and, and with me, the way know, going on, yeah. And I mean, you've heard me with Tom Robinson in the past. I just like to have fun sometimes. You know, I give people crap for no reason. It's just all in good fun, really, at the end of the day with me. Uh, obviously, uh, it's it's just wrestling at the you know at the end of the day. And Oh, yeah. I love Absolutely. it for, for what it is and what it was specifically. And yeah, I mean, so I apologize, guys. I'm not going to always tell you everything you want to hear or agree, you know, with your side of things. But that doesn't upset me. That's what being a wrestling fan is all about. I'm sure I like guys that other people don't care for and vice versa, but I was a giant Dusty Rhodes fan. I don't know that I, uh, you know, I particularly cared for everything he ever did booking wise, but that doesn't, you know, change anything. Yeah, I've used this line before and I I actually started using it around 1986. (laughs) I love Dusty Rhodes. I just didn't like Virgil Runnels. That's the guy in the credits at the end of Crockett, right? Yeah, Virgil Runnels. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy. I remember him. Uh, but we're going to finish it out. Gordon's update right now is Ted DiBiase stretchered out of TBS Studios. Let's listen to Gordon. I stretcher, they have spent a considerable amount of time now very carefully uh, putting a back brace or a back scoop uh, under his body. He, they've already applied a neck brace. Uh, I can only say that this paramedic team has uh, really been outstanding. Uh, they've done an outstanding job of uh, administering to uh, his one leg appears to be... Uh, uh, considerably shorter as if that spine could have been jammed. They're being exceptionally careful uh, regarding his spine. They continue to uh, uh, take him from the area now. But again, uh, my, my certainly my, my heartfelt thanks and my congratulations to this paramedic squad because uh, they arrived here uh, uh, very, very rapidly and uh, administered aid to this man just as quickly as they could. And uh, he is now being removed to the hospital. And just as quickly as I get word from the hospital, So the birds try and end the career and maybe the life of Ted DiBiase here. Tommy Rich then aids in chasing the birds away from the ring while DiBiase stretchered out and is announced as being taken on an ambulance to the hospital. A very serious angle here. More cowboy booking 101 as the Freebirds have taken out yet another man. Uh, We've seen him take out Plowboy Frazier in the past with that spike pile driver, but this time a lot more to it. Four pile drivers, one on the concrete. Ted DiBiase on his way to the hospital. Yeah, I'm going to guess, because um, I, I don't know the answer, I, I'm just going to guess DiBiase probably went to Japan during this brief hiatus, because he was out for about four weeks here. But the, the seriousness of the angle, the way they put it over on television, I'm sure the cards and letters flooded into TBS wishing uh, DiBiase uh, good luck. Oh, you you have to uh, imagine that was the case. And, you know, I, I, I typically always look at see what guys do when they're written off of TV. And this time, for some reason, I forgot to do it, Jamie. And it's kind of funny you mentioned that maybe DiBiase went over to Japan because he's already done that twice on the shows I've been doing with Roman in regards to the Mid-South. Of course, he was taken out with that brain buster by Dick Murdoch and then now just now taken out by the Sheep Herders, a, a flag pulled to the throat, and he's back off to all Japan again in the spring of 86. So DiBiase, no stranger to injury angles in order to do some work over for Baba in all Japan. No, that extra money never hurts. 
Show goes on. It's the returning Roberto Soto in the ring. Roberto Soto going to return here with a win over Tim Horner. Could have been a fun matchup. And then up next, Gordon Soley going to have a word with the Junkyard Dog and Wildfire Tommy Rich. Uh, Ted has been removed to the hospital, and we're all waiting word. Well, you know, it's very bad. I'd like to apologize to everybody for the bad thing that happened. You know, I've been had a lot of things to do with the Freebirds for the last past year and a half. First, it was Colonel Buck Robler and myself, and they hurt Buck Robler. And then they had me out for 11 weeks. I was temporarily blind. And then this thing happened today here with Ted DeVos. You know, I feel bad because he was in the same with me. But I just don't know, man. You know, every time I see him get a partner, man, and I always try to go at the best. You know, and the best is right now is these guys in some kind of way. we got to put a stop to it. Tommy, I'd like to appreciate you for coming out because I, I didn't know nothing when I jumped off out there. Well, you know, you know, Gordon, you, you pushed something so far. You know, just like I said, when I was at home in Tennessee, I seen a lot of things going on. The Freebirds, they was riding rough shot. Well, what I'm doing right now, I don't know if Ted DiBiase is going to be able to come back or not. They dropped him on his head on the floor three times in the ring. You know, I figured the man was tough when he got up the first time. So, like I said, I don't know if he'll be back or not. But right now, I'm sticking my hand out to this man because I... I'd love to team up with him and be his partner. Wait a minute, man. Look, look Tommy, I'd love to have you to be my partner, man, but look, there's too many things that happened already, and I, res I feel responsible for two other people that's been injured and put out a wrestling. I don't know what happened to Ted today. Now, I appreciate you coming out, man, and you want to tag team with me and stuff, man, but I, I can't take responsibility, man. You know, dog, when I started wrestling, they said I was going to get hurt a whole lot. So right now, just like I said, I know what I'm taking on. You know, I want to be your partner, and I ain't going to take no for an answer. Whether you say I can or I can't, if Ted ain't there at the Omni, I'm going to be right there in your corner. You know, because when I was in high school, we had a guy, you know, he was a big, bad, tough guy. He was a big, burly boy. But the only time he was tough was when he had two or three guys in front of him. He stood behind him and talked. You know, and we finally found out he wasn't nothing but a sissy. You know, and as far as Michael Hayes, he ain't nothing but a sissy. The only time he wants to stick his nose in, Gordon, is when, when somebody's down or something like that with a dog and myself. Just like I said, if Ted ain't going to be there, I'll be there, Tommy, and I'm looking forward to teaming up well, with him. Well, there you have it, then, and it's official as far as I'm concerned. Tommy Richards, the junkyard dog shaking hands. You know what, Tomorrow night at the Omni. We're ready, fired up, ready to go, so let's bring it all on. It's going to happen. So the story continues on the same episode of TV because they really don't have time in between. So here it is, the dog apologizing to the fans, feeling that he is to blame for a lot of the things involving the Freebirds because he's been dealing with them for over a year now. First, his partner in Mid-South, talking about Buck Robley, he was injured. Of course, the dog injured as well. Blinded for 11 weeks, he says here, and I wrote, boy, it gains a week every time they tell the story. It started with nine weeks, last week was 10 weeks, now we're up to 11 weeks, but it is what it is. And now, Ted DiBiase out. All because he tried to help the dog, but I'm pretty sure it was the dog who was trying to help DiBiase here. Oh, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> uh, the, the dog came in to help Fuller and DiBiase out. And, but this whole time, go back to last September, everything the Freebirds have said they were going to do, they have done. They have indeed. Tommy Rich here, he says he saw the Freebirds doing a lot of things, Jamie, that you were just talking about, while he was sitting at home in Tennessee. And DiBiase is a tough man, getting up from getting dropped on his head time and time again, including on the concrete. But after three more pile drivers, Rich doesn't know if Ted will ever be back in the ring. Tommy Rich then extending his hand and offering to be partners with Junkyard Dog to take on the Freebirds and the Omni tomorrow night. And JYD says he appreciates the offer, but he feels responsible. The Freebirds have already taken out two men because of him, 
And Dog appreciates the offer, but he can't accept the responsibility of what could happen to the wildfire. Rich then says he came into wrestling expecting to be hurt. A lot. Wildfire knows what he's getting into, and he won't take no for an answer. He will replace DiBiase in the tag team match versus the Freebirds at the Omni, whether the dog agrees to it or not. So finally, JYD accepts Tommy's offer and a howl of approval at the end there. It's going to be JYD and Tommy Rich now taking on the Freebirds tomorrow night. And the reaction of the studio audience once again, just amazing. You're, you just had this very, very serious thing happen. You have JYD really down and out. And then Tommy Rich steps up, and that audience just goes absolutely bonkers because they know Tommy Rich is the only guy that could possibly take the place of Ted DiBiase in this match and finally give the uh, free birds or comeuppance. Yeah, no, I mean, it's uh, it's some of the best uh, angles and storylines all together here that, that you've ever seen in the history of professional wrestling all ro- rolled into one big story because you get the pile driver angle and, of course, now Tommy Rich. Where else do you have somebody as big as Ted DiBiase, a biggest star as Ted DiBiase, go down, and yet you have somebody else waiting in the wings that arguably may even be more popular with the local fans to take his place? So will be Rich now subbing for DiBiase to team with the dog. Got to be a, a big-time match when we get there, guys, but we roll on with TV here. Steve Olsen You know what, right? If I could just interject sure. for just a Absolutely. moment. Just something that just popped in my mind. Right. Think about how great Georgia Championship Wrestling would have been if Bill Watts says, you know what, I think I'm going to sell Mid-South off and take over Georgia. Wow, yeah, and he immediately gets cable TV. That would have immediately been gets cable TV and how different things may have been. Yeah, I, you know, I, I never mean, even thought of that option, but that would, have, that would have definitely been interesting. Clearly, Watts was deep into his own Mid-South roots because... He was not budging, leaving Oklahoma, Louisiana and things, because he's only here short-term booking until they find another booker in the meantime. I don't think right. Watts even wants this job right now, but while he's here, he's doing a, a damn good job with it. If, like I'm saying, if he had said, you know what, this is working here, maybe I should just stay. Yeah, and they were complete, starting to expand. Complete wrestling history, exactly. Complete wrestling history could have been totally different. Vinnie Mac may never become Vinnie Mac. It's uh, it's food for thought, that's for sure. Fantasy booking 101, that would have been uh, tremendous. Uh, what if everybody go back and start booking 1981 all over again, Bill Watts taking over the Georgia Territory? That would have been very interesting to see Bill Watts in the control of TBS long before 1992. Right, and thus he's not in the, uh, in the Mid-South in 86 when the oil crisis hits down there. He's still in Georgia. Who knows? He might have been the next Vince McMahon. It's it's possible. I think Vince was still going to do some Vince things, but yeah, it would have definitely been a very, very much more interesting situation with Crockett, Vince, and the Cowboy for sure. Uh, but we'll roll on right now, guys, with TV. Steve-O going to come out for a promo next, following up on the Ted DiBiase situation himself. He says, as a wrestler, they all expect to be injured, but you never know when or where. And right now, the entire locker room is hurting in the pit of their stomach after seeing what the birds did to Ted DiBiase. Steve-O, he hates the thought of what could have happened to Ted if it weren't for Tommy Rich making the save. Steve points out that Rich also saved him a couple of weeks back from a Freebirds pile driver. As we see a VTR then replay of last week, it was Steve-O defeating national heavyweight champion the Stomper on a disqualification after Don Carson interfered. 
Oh, of course, landing his patented airplane spin before trying to go for the cover. Don Carson putting a stop to that, saving his champion from losing the title here on TV. With a Don Carson ringside, Steve-O says, you need an equalizer. And cue the Dusty Rhodes vignette of the week. Uh, Dusty Rhodes popping up on our TV screens. He refers to himself as a modern-day gladiator. He says the stomper had the belt returned to him after their prior showdown. But this time, in the rematch at the Omni tomorrow night, the American Dream has a surprise that will make Stomper's eyes water, his knees weak, and his liver quiver, baby. And then the national title will be with the Dream. And everyone was convinced the Dream was taking the title on this night. I'm convinced right now, and I know what happens. <laughs> Great promo from Dusty Rhodes there before we cut back to Steve O to close the segment. Steve then announces the big surprise is that he, Steve O, will be in the corner of the American Dream at the Omni in order to counteract Don Carson on the other side of the ring. Steve-O going to make sure Dusty gets a fair shot at the title. Yeah, and here is the elevation of Steve-O once again. He's been working his way up slowly, 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 and now he's going to be Dusty Rhodes' right-handed man. That just gives him even more credibility in the eyes of the public. Great word, credibility. I was trying to search for something in a response, but you hit, it to, hit the nail on the head right there, Jamie. Credibility. Uh, being named the corner man of the American dream. It doesn't get much bigger than that. As uh, the show goes on, it's Big Jim Duggan in the ring, scoring a win over Gerald Finley, before we hear from the fabulous Freebirds, most specifically Michael P.S. Hayes. Hayes says that Rich, he must be sick, offering to fill in for Ted DiBiase after seeing what the birds just did to him. Michael Hayes is having a birthday party at the Omni, March the 29th, and Rich is uninvited says Pierre Sexy. He says if Rich shows up to team with the dog, then it'll be his problem. Rich may have saved Steve-O a couple of weeks ago, but he couldn't save DiBiase today, and he may not be able to save himself tomorrow night. Great promo from Michael Hayes, as usual. And it, again, it, the Bill Watts influence to reference back when Tommy Rich made his debut there at the beginning of March when he came in and saved Steve-O from getting the pile driver. Yeah, it was all the way back there, wasn't it? I was thinking it was more recently. I mean, no, it was at the beginning of March. You're right. You're right. You're right. It was. It was a few weeks ago. But yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. And I, I love that. The, you know, they do keep doing that. They keep referencing everything. Ties in together. Everything makes sense, and it's just so cool and a breath of fresh air. Yeah, the entire uh, Freebird story has been that way, except for the end of the Kevin Sullivan Austin Idol team. That's well, the only thing that didn't make any sense. Well, we can't blame Bill Watts for that one. No, that wasn't Bill's fault. <laughs> Show goes on. It's a promo from the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Oli and Gene Anderson. Oli talks all the teams they've wiped out, mentioning world tag team champions like Paul Jones and the Masked Superstar, the team of Andre the Giant and Dusty Rhodes, Steve Kern and Steve-O, Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog. Anderson says they may be next if they get in the Wrecking Crew's way. Oli then gives credit to Ric Flair and Tommy Rich, and even the Junkyard Dog being all top contenders to Harley Race's NWA world title, he says, hell, even throw Tony Atlas into that mix as well. Tony may be Mr. USA, says Ole, but so would the Andersons. Could you imagine Mr. Or Ole Anderson as a Mr. USA? Should he have chosen to enter such a contest, of course? Ole could have done anything he wanted to. <laughs> He'd have bullied his way to the uh, championship. 
But Ole reminds us all that the Andersons, they're not bodybuilders. They're wrestlers, the best team in the world. They may not do a bunch of fancy moves, but they do what they do better than anyone else in the world. Ole recommends their future opponents get some insurance policies in line before they step in the ring with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Very serious promo there from Ole Anderson. They Naming teams from the past and naming teams looking forward to take on Maybe teams like Rich and JYD in the future could have been a fun match as well. So the Andersons are definitely here, and they're looking for some competition. And Ole brings up a name that we haven't seen in a month or even mentioned in over a month in uh, Tony Atlas. That's right. Last time we saw Tony, he he lost that cage match to Harley Race, and we really haven't heard a mention of him or the Georgia title at this point. Yeah, we know Tony will be back here at least briefly here shortly in the month, at least coming up in the month of April, but it's I think he's just uh, coming off of a, a very quick run back with the WWF, too. He, I know he did a recent Madison Square Garden card, which we may touch on later. I have some notes about Tony Atlas coming up. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, very cool of Ole, though. He worked a program with Tony, so to continue to throw him in there, it was really cool. And it shows the booking mind of Ole Anderson, knowing that at any given time, Atlas could be thrown back in there with Harley Race. So let's keep him in the mix out here as well. Yeah, Tony must have been an Ole guy. Yeah, I'd have to listen to some of uh, Tony's shoots, see what he has to say about Ole Anderson. Not too many people high on Ole, but uh, Atlas doesn't really crap on a whole lot of people, at least not outright. Yeah. So I'm very, very curious. Or an Ole guy at that time. That was at somebody that, time. that Yeah, Ole decided to take him under his wing and, and push him the most he could. Show goes on. Back to the ring. It's the national television champion. I guess he still is at this point. Steve Kern scoring a win over Ken Timms. And then Freddie Miller jumps in to update us on the condition of Ted DiBiase, Freddie says that Teddy now in the emergency room, but the extent of the injuries are still unknown at this point. So they're keeping up with uh, some updates here throughout the episode of TV on Ted DiBiase. It gives you that real feel to the situation. As we're back to the ring for the Andersons, Ole and Gene, the wrecking crew, scoring a win over Tom Hart and Mike Fever. Haven't seen Mike Fever here in 1981 yet. Pretty cool. Uh, and then uh, yet another Ole Anderson promo here this week, Jamie, because what's better than one Ole promo? I suppose two. He invites everyone to come on out to the Omni and see greatness live and in person when the Andersons take on the team of Steve Kern and Steve O. Ole heard that O was talking, accompanying Dusty to the ring for the matchup against the Stomper. Well, Ole says Steve will be lucky to crawl out for the match once the Andersons get done with him. Ole says he hasn't forgotten about Dusty and Andre either, stating that he will pay them each $1,000 if they can make him bleed in their upcoming matchup in Columbus, Ohio. That's a feud that never ends up there in Columbus. It That's seems, been going on about, about two months. It, it seems that way, doesn't it? And uh, I have no doubt eventually by the end of the day, these Andersons are going to wind up bleeding for the American dream and the eighth wonder of the world. But, it, hey, it's an interesting concept for that thousand dollars out there and see if they can collect it or not it yeah. gives you another re another reason for those people in columbus to come out and see that match and it shows you how mean tough and realistic the andersons are because you have this larger than life character and pretty big guy dusty Rhodes, teaming with literally a larger than life character in andre the giant and it's still believable when they take them down and work them over especially only at this point gene's getting a little up there in age and things and some some health issues coming up but it's just amazing. That's just how good and how real the Andersons were. Yeah, every man's the same size when they're on their back. So you get Andre down and you can work him over. 
It's right. it's when he gets gets to his feet that you'd have to beware. Yeah, you're in trouble for for sure. <laughs> Especially if he got a hold of you and you actually potatoed him, that you were a dead man at that point. Yeah, if you keep Andre down long enough, you have to hope maybe he'll go to sleep, and then you know whatever happens happens. But uh, show goes on. We've already heard from him once. We're going to hear from him again now. Another promo from the wildfire Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog. Zolt, clear up before we go any farther. Tommy, you realized, of course, that, that uh, apparently the Junkyard Dog had not seen the situation. That's why you came out. You threw in the towel, which was certainly the prudent thing to well, do. Well, that's exactly right, Gordon. You know, you can take so much. And I seen the guy, you know, the dog and the referee that were going back toward the corner, and I knew they didn't see what was going on. And when Ted crawled back in the ring, I thought he had a chance. But when he got dropped on his head three more times, you know, that's a, you know that was too much. And, and uh, just I did what I think anybody else would have done. Well, of course, then the paramedics did arrive. And, uh, of course, since then... Uh, as you can see, uh, Ted DiBiase uh, very, very carefully uh, loaded on that stretcher and uh, removed to the hospital uh, where he is at this time undergoing treatment. And, of course, uh, he is no question about it. He's out of action. But tomorrow night at the Omni, you and Tommy Rich, a coalition against the Freebirds. It's going to be a special night. I want to dedicate this thing to Ted DiBiase. The guy gave me one to 10% of the other day. I thank Tommy Rich for coming out here. So, Michael Hayes, you and your boys, if you want to get crazy, if you want to get funky, if you want to get down in the back alleys, if you want to fight, Daddy, black, white, green, yellow, the Donald don't care, come to the Omni. So before the promo, they were shown a VTR from earlier DiBiase taking that pile driver on the floor. And that's why the dog says he didn't realize the outside pile driver had happened during the matchup because he was distracted. And then from there, Tommy Rich says a man can only take so much. And that's why he did what he did to stop the match earlier tonight to try to save Ted DiBiase from himself, Jamie. As JYD says, March the 29th, it may be Hayes' birthday, but it's also a special night as he's dedicating it to Ted DiBiase. Dog may not be a very good wrestler, but he's a really good fighter. If the birds want to break the rules, Dog has no problem breaking the rules and maybe breaking a few heads too. Tommy Rich finishing up saying he and the dog going to get crazy on the Freebirds tomorrow night. Just another hype piece here. Really got you going. Really, <laughs> Just another Omni card that I just can't miss. Yeah, it, this card had to sell out. Even if they weren't sold out at this point, you're only 24 hours away. There had to be people going down there just to see uh, JYD and Tommy Rich kick the Freebirds rear ends. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of gates or records and things from this time frame at the Omni, but I'd love to see what some of these particular angles drew. But you have to think the Omni was a sellout in this particular instance, whether it was, you know, on some of the other shows or not. I don't know if they were selling out nearly every time at this point. I don't really know what was happening business-wise at the Omni, but uh, if if they weren't selling out before, you have to think this show, definitely a sellout. Standing room only. Yeah, especially with that hot angle at the end. Show goes on. Got a couple of matches here. It's Wildfire Tommy Rich back in the ring over Bobby Garrett, and then we get a VTR. We're going to see Ivan Koloff, Russian Bear. Remember, he's coming to the Omni as well. It's Ivan Koloff, who was originally scheduled 
to take on Tommy Rich at the Omni. Now that's going to be changed to WWF champion Bob Backlund. Talk about a, a change in opponent. But here we see Ivan Koloff score a win over Ron Ritchie in this VTR from Mid-Atlantic JCP. And then up next, it's a VTR promo from Andre the Giant. And uh, I believe the Giant says, people say the Andersons are the best tag team in the world. And they very well may be. But Andre and Dusty, they won't stand by and let what the Andersons did to them in Columbus go without revenge. Dusty and Andre are the better men, and they will prove it. An ongoing feud in Columbus, Ohio. Remember, if you've li been listening to the promos cut by Andre, or more specifically Dusty, over the last several weeks, the last time out in Columbus, apparently the Andersons left Dusty and Andre a bloody mess. And this time, it sure appears that they're going to leave them a bloody mess. And it's more action here on Georgia Championship Wrestling. We were just talking about him a little bit ago, the return of Mr. USA, Mr. Universe, if you will. It's the, the Georgia heavyweight champion, Tony Atlas, scoring a win here over Jim Nelson. And then from there, we hear from Tony. He talks to Gordon Soley, talks about GCW, giving him a little time off for a bodybuilding competition in New York. But he says wrestling is his first love, and he's happy to be back here in Georgia. Tony then touching on what happened to Ted DiBiase earlier in the program, he says he hates to see something like that, but he knows you can't keep a man like Ted DiBiase down, and he will be all right. Tony, a little more optimistic about DiBiase than some of the others we've heard from here on the show, but Tony, always a positive guy, uh, at least by my accounts anyway, and Atlas talks about going up to New York for bodybuilding. He also worked a matchup at Madison Square Garden on March the 16th. Any guesses as to who he wrestled, Jamie? March 16th, 81. You know we this. get a Ken Patera match there? Mm-mm. Think, think bigger, uh, bigger, at least in the future, brother. Oh, the big Hulk Hogan match. All right. Yeah, the, and, and tell everybody who won that match, Jamie. Blow their minds. I'm going to let you go. I'm drawing a blank. Tony Atlas pinning Hulk Hogan. Take that, brother. Oh, uh, okay. So we're around the time period in WWF where... Hogan is about to leave and go to Japan. Yeah, Hogan's getting ready to take and, off. And, then, and Tony actually, Tony actually had already finished up his last run with Vince. He kind of comes back like two months after his last little tiny run in the WWF and just does this one-off at the Garden, pinning Hogan. I guess maybe, like you said, on Hogan's way out. I don't know. I didn't go do any research. I just remember the matchup. But that's very, yeah, it's think, very viable. I, I think this is the point where Hogan goes to Japan and then comes back in the black trunks and uh, saying Ichiban all the time. Ichiban Hogan. Yes, I've been watching Ichiban a lot of, Hogan. Lot of uh, Jap little... Japan Hogan uh, the last week. I've been converting a lot of my New Japan television from the uh, early and mid-80s over to di streaming digital. And uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of Hogan, including a match with uh, Bundy right before uh, Bundy came to WWF. Yeah, no, I, I thought I uh, saw that on your uh, page earlier on today. A Bundy with the cape, with the collar, yeah, right? with the uh, Dracula cape, Dra Dracula Bundy, the Dracula cape. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so so Hogan comes back and uh, I think winds up teaming with Stan Hansen for until um, till the end of the year. Then they're both gone by that time. Yeah, that's a that's a hell of a tandem. Of course, you know Hogan would put Stan Hansen in his No Holds Barred movie, and then later Hansen would step in when Gordy says, "I'm not jobbing to Hulk Hogan in 1990." Stan Hansen comes in and, and does the job to Hogan over in all Japan. Hogan and Stan clearly have uh, some kind of camaraderie there or uh, something going on. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plus, when Hogan goes to Japan, he teams up with uh, Stan over there also. So, you know, a lifelong friendship is born at that time. But back to Tony Atlas. Right. Now, um, I didn't look forward in, in the results. Now, again, here we go. The little nuances. Him being mentioned in the Ole Anderson interview makes right. sense now. Here comes Tony Atlas back a little bit later. Yeah, and it's uh, Tony had that run, that feud, if you want to call it that, with Harley Race. They went all the way to the cage match. Tony didn't get the job done. He came out not the world champion. And then Tony disappeared, and it appears maybe he did go to a bodybuilding competition and stopped off for uh, Vince McMahon as well, Vince Sr., if you will. So uh, Tony, he's got a lot of things going on, but it's kind of interesting to watch Tony jump in and out, how well he can change up things, still train for bodybuilding and wrestle at the same time. Yeah, and he'll be back in Georgia in about a year. So he, yeah, not only does he jump back and forth between bodybuilding and wrestling, he jumps group to group. And spoiler alert, guys, uh, Tony's not going to be here much longer. He might be gone by the end of April. I'm not sure I haven't gotten that far in my notes, but um, Tony's not going to be here a whole lot longer. And when Tony leaves, I believe the Georgia heavyweight title, it just disappears. Oh, no, they're, they're going to, we'll, we'll get back to it. They're, they're going to have a tournament and everything for it. Tony never loses the title. He just kind of disappears, and they never uh, fully say that Tony has vacated the title. But from what I re- I remember, they just said the Georgia title has been vacated. Well, that's, because that's, we're going to have a when we get up in the it's either August or September. There's a unification match between the two titles. See, you know your shit, Jamie. Every now and then, I you know I find one. Keep me in check. <laughs> Keep me in check. As the show goes on, good to see him getting a win here on TV this week. Bobby Eaton scoring a win over Mike Davis. And then from there, perfect booking here as we're going to close out the March 28th edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling with another Freebirds promo. I don't think you're going to complain about that one, Jamie. Michael Hayes referencing the JYD dedicating the Omni show to Ted DiBiase. Well, the Freebirds already dedicated the show to Ted DiBiase after what they did today. Michael Hayes throws back to a previous episode promo where he talked about going home to get his plan together. Well, everyone thought that he'd return and take out the dog, but that plan, it was for Ted DiBiase instead. Hayes points out that Tommy Rich and JYD have never teamed up before, but if they want to come at Michael Hayes, come to Michael Hayes' birthday, his party, it'll be Hayes the one handing out the presents on March the 29th it may mark the last time that the junkyard dog sees his wife, his baby, or anything else for that matter. Michael Hayes going to prove once and for all, he ain't no sissy. Some amazing mic work here this week by Michael P.S. Hayes. And yes, I know he always cuts a good promo, but this week, some exceptional lines spat out here in some of the uh, in interviews. And what's even priceless in this interview, when Hayes says that he ain't no sissy, he kind of presses his hair up from behind. Right. Lifts you know, the hair. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like the old time movie actresses would pump their hair up in the back a little bit. That, that's what Hayes was doing at the end of that interview. Yeah. So Michael Hayes, man, he's got some great lines here. Basically threatening the dog. I've taken out Ted DiBiase. And now tomorrow night, you may not see your family again. You may never see anything again. So Hayes. Clearly, once again, with that jar of hair, cre- hair removal cream, threatening to do something to the junkyard dog. And so, remember, Ted DiBiase out. It shifted a few things around here on the Omni card. So the revised March 29th Omni card, it looks like this. 
National Tag Team Champion Freebirds taking on the Junkyard Dog and Wildfire Tommy Rich. Now subbing in for Ted DiBiase, also on the card, WWF Champion Bob Backlund. Substituting Tommy Rich, it's Bob Backlund taking on former WWF Champion Russian Bear Ivan Koloff. Which is a good matchup because uh, Bob and Koloff have already worked down in Florida together. They worked in the WWF together. So you know they're going to have a good match at night. Yeah, they know each other. They know each other well. And this is a more slim, trim Ivan Koloff who can really get around. It's not so much the, the, the kicking and punching, uh, plotting big man Ivan Koloff by this point. Uh, he's really worked on his wrestling skills and a pretty good worker by this point as far as wrestling goes. So he meshes well with a Bob Backlund type wrestler. Also on the card, a rematch. National heavyweight champion, the Stomper, Don Carson in his corner. Going to take on, once again, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes says Steve-O going to be the corner man for the Mac and Dream they are. Also, Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson taking on the duo of Steve-O and Steve Kern. We've seen them in tag team action recently, so they're not just thrown together here for the Omni. Also on the undercard, Roberto Soto. We talked about him. He's back. He'll be taking on Bobby Eaton. Kind of interesting because both guys got a win here today on TV. I don't think that was by accident after reading this. Also, it's going to be Kevin Sullivan still here, even though not on television. Sullivan battling Mike Davis and Big Jim Duggan taking on Mr. Wrestling 2 in a, I guess you could call it a rematch of sorts from TV a week or two ago. So a fun card here coming up at the Omni. Yeah, and every match uh, was laid out on television. Yeah, everything but the Kevin Sullivan basically squashed the prelim match with Sullivan. Hey, right, everything. Everything has some form of a backstory or some type of build. Like I said, even Soto and Eaton, Soto just returned. Eaton really hasn't won on TV much at all, and he picks up a win here this week. So, again, I don't think that was by mistake. I think they want to build this matchup, give it a little more credibility on both sides of the coin. Yeah, and Soto is fresh off a uh, WWF run at this point. Not that he he was lower mid-card, but he had come in for about six months. And I was a big fan of Soto, even though he was uh, past his prime by this point. But it was good to see him back here. Yeah, I mean, old wrestlers can't die. They just keep going on. Uh, But before we get to the Omni, guys, we're going to Chattanooga. Chattanooga, here we come. March the 28th, later on in the night, the guys have to make the drive from Atlanta up to Chattanooga here at the Memorial Auditorium. It's the Mighty Yankee. You think that was Frank Morrell? I have no idea. The Mighty Yankee over Mike Davis in the opening matchup. Also on the card, Charlie Cook over Bobby Garrett. Roberto Soto defeating Les Thornton by pinfall. Clearly the World Junior title not on the line there. Also the National Tag Team Champion Freebirds, Gordian Roberts, battling Roberto Soto, subbing for Ted DiBiase. And Mr. Wrestling 2 to a no contest. And in the main event, it was Steve-O scoring a win by disqualification over the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper. So Steve owned the Stomper, getting a little work in here on March the 28th. Yeah, it's a shame we're not getting uh, Columbus TV results for this date. I'd really be interested to see how they uh, handled the DiBiase angle. As would I. That would have been really interesting. Well, actually, very curious actually you know what? I'll take that back. This show airs before the night show, so they wouldn't even have mentioned it. Right, they would have just kept DiBiase off the show. I would hope, anyway, because Columbus is close enough to Atlanta. I don't know if I would risk that. But, uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Again, I don't have a whole lot of Columbus TV results. I wish I did. I'd love to see more of the footage, to be honest with you. I think anybody would, but anybody listen to this show anyway. 
But um, yeah, I just don't have a whole lot of the results. I'd love to get more. If somebody has more, please send them our way because, man, it's just a great way to continue to collect pieces of history. And I love it for not just my research, but I keep all the results saved on my computer and on my Google Drive as well. So, uh, yeah. You would think it's probably sitting in somebody's notebook in Columbus, Georgia, in an attic, you know, that their grandparents kept. Those results have to be out there. It's just a point of where. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I just uh, hopefully one day some will pop up because I'm really curious, not just what they did this week, but what they do a few other weeks as well uh, when some of these angles go down. But uh, there was, uh, by the way, there was also a card in Tuscaloosa, Alabama on the 28th, but I have no results there. But I always find it interesting whenever Georgia dives over into Alabama, crosses that border over into Fuller country. Uh, But I also got some bonus audio content here, Jamie. This week for the listeners out there, it came across the March 29th edition of the Best of World Championship Wrestling, the Sunday edition of the TBS program. Some last-minute comments from some of the stars heading into the Omnicard, which is scheduled to begin in just a couple hours, 8 p.m. bell time. And we'll get things going here with Ole Anderson. We're going to listen to one half of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew right now. It's Gordon Sully standing by with Ole Anderson critic of yours because certainly anytime you interview a star of the magnitude of Ole Anderson you're going to be a little bit tongue-tied as you just were. It's easy for you to announce that you're talking to people like Steve O or maybe Mr. Kern or Dusty Rhodes or some of the lesser individuals. I can go on talking about Mr. Atlas possibly. Dusty Rhodes? Are you getting tongue-tied sir? Is that the problem? Oh no 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 I'm trying to think of somebody as good as the Anderson brothers and it's really very difficult. Difficult for me uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I do get a little tongue-tied when I talk about the lesser individuals, but I know this. When it comes to wrestling, there's nobody better, nobody better anywhere in the world. Throw out the Rhodes, the Andersons are the best. Throw out Mr. Two, throw out Atlas, throw them all out. There's nobody to compare with the Anderson brothers, and you'll see it anytime you see us wrestle. Well, thank you so very much. So fairly generic promo there, putting over the Andersons. I don't think even Oli knew what he wanted to talk about there, but it was just some, some rare audio, so I threw it in. Thought everybody would kind of reminds me of that interview that we had back in February, where Mister Two said he was going to Mister Two get the rest of an Oli here, the manager license. <laughs> yeah, the manager license. That was, whatever whatever happened just, with that? Did he fail just the out test? Out of nowhere, and you know they never really followed up on that in any <laughs> manner. I mean, he, he was at ringside for some stuff, but. They never really followed up on that. Yeah, it's like they threw Ole on there. All right, Ole, we need you. Go right now. And I'm not saying he can't ad-lib a promo. We all know he can, but it just felt like he wasn't ready here, and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to talk out my ass. And that's pretty much what that was. But again, it's kind of rare. It's from the Sunday show, so I thought everybody would get a kick out of it anyway. Uh, Up next, though, these guys definitely know what they're talking about. Uh, Total Focus by the Fabulous Freebirds. Right now we're going to hear from Michael P.S. Hayes heading in to tonight's big Omni card. Through the fabulous Freebirds, DiBiase never gave up. But tonight, in the Omni, you're facing Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog. You know, tonight in the Omni, I'm throwing a little birthday party. And it seems that just about everybody that was invited is going to come. And even some of those that weren't invited. But it seems that Ted DiBiase ain't gonna make the party. Ain't that a shame? Because he pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed, and he kept knocking on the door, and finally somebody had to answer it right. Finally, I had to do what you 
the promotion and all of you pushed me into. You see, you're playing, you're playing with a man that's got a mind that Einstein would have envied, man. I can outthink anybody. You call me sick, yeah. You say I don't play with a full deck. No, I play with a stacked deck. And tonight in the Omni, at my birthday, dog, come on, because I got a present for you. So it's time for the birthday bash, but it doesn't look like Ted DiBiase will be making the party. Michael Hayes says he doesn't play with a full deck, but he does play with a stack deck. I love that line. I'd never heard that before. I really popped for it. As a Hayes has a present for Rich and the JYD tonight as he shows off that jar of hair cream. So look out, dog. Look out, Tommy Rich. Really great one-minute promo. Very serious promo there from Michael Hayes. Gets a couple of good one-liners there from Hayes heading into tonight's big showdown. And it's interviews like this that made Michael Hayes one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Not only can he just get out there and babble and, you know, put his guys over, there's also interviews like this where he's just dead serious. Yeah, it's a, a great lines here, and this is the throwaway. You got you got a 60-second promo, go. It's Sunday night. The people that are going are probably already there. Maybe the arena's already sold out. Nobody's watching this because they're heading to, down to the, the Omni, but go anyway, and Michael Hayes gives it to you. It's some great lines there. I'm not playing with a full deck, but I am playing with a stack deck. Really cool stuff there from Michael P.S. Hayes. And it wouldn't be fair if we didn't get the other side of the story as well. So standing by now, it's the Junkyard Dog and Wildfire Tommy Rich. Let me take a moment right now to talk to two gentlemen who very, very shortly will be in the squared circle against the fabulous Freebirds. I'm referring, of course, to Tommy Wildfire Rich and the Junkyard Dog. Tonight's the night at the Omni. Yeah, and you're right. We're mad. Freebirds, I want to tell you something, brother. We went down we seen Ted. Yeah, he's laid up, and we don't know how long he's going to be laid up. But we made him a promise. We made him a promise. It's going to be Ted DiBiase tonight. Just in a little while, Gordon, I'm so mixed up and fired up. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. But I know one thing. Freebirds, y'all better be ready, brother. And we ain't coming to fight. We're coming to fight. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, and the emotions are running that high right now. And the gentleman to my left is feeling just that emotion. Well, like I told you before, if it was a fight, they won't. I don't know that much about wrestling, but I do know about street fighting. Oh, Tommy, I got the pepper, baby. You got the salt. It's time for the birds to be baked, baby. We're going to set it on fire. It happens tonight at the Omni. Make your plans to be there tonight at 8 o'clock. Tommy, a little tongue-tied there. We ain't coming to fight, but we're coming to fight. And he says he's damn mad. Of course, they bleep out the word damn. And he blames it all on his excitement heading into the big matchup. As the JYD says, he has the pepper, and Tommy Rich has the salt. And they're coming for the Freebirds. You got to be there, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Tommy might have got a little tongue-tied there. Like, I get tongue-tied all the time. But I really don't think Tommy gets enough love for his interviews. No, he's, he knows what he wants. You know, I've honestly, since we've went back and done this, I have a whole new respect for Tommy Rich promos because I, I hate to use the word articulate because that doesn't really go well with Tommy Rich, but he puts things over far more intelligently, if this makes any sense, than I thought he used to do. Like, he knows every point he needs to hit on and he hits on him, if that, if that clears it up a little. Right. He probably wasn't, and I'm not trying to be funny with this line, he probably wasn't drinking as much at this point, and he knew the points that he was trying to get across, where progressively, even taking it up until like 83, 84, Tommy Rich, and maybe even into Memphis there in 86, 87, 
where his interviews are a little less coherent because you know he's just drinking all the time. Well, it's like this. I mean, with me and Tommy Rich, and I was far too young when I the little I saw of him in Georgia on my local TV station because they syndicated it here because we didn't have cable in the area yet, but they were working, you know, they were working Columbus, they were working Cleveland and things like that. So we got Georgia championship wrestling on the television uh, locally. Uh, and again, they syndicated it and uh, I can't remember any of the promos, so I couldn't tell you if they were good or not. So the, really all the, all the Tommy Rich I saw as a kid growing up was whatever he did, probably by the time he got to, Crockett or, or Turner, maybe even by that point, near the end of the 80s and into the early 90s. And that was all just your generic somebody say something about, you know, whoever he's going to wrestle that week on Power Hour or whatever. So, you know, obviously when, when the tape trading kicked in for me, I got to see a whole lot more of this stuff. But really watching it week to week, I have a whole newfound respect as far as Tommy Rich promos go, because he really does hit on everything. Absolutely. And then what, what you're talking about there when uh, he returns in 89 – Crockett uh, has already sold to Turner by this point. And you could see he kind of cleaned himself up at, in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, he had lost a lot of weight. His interviews were uh, closer to what they uh, – he wasn't fighting anybody to really get fired up over. But his interviews were very coherent, and he was closer to this version of Tommy Rich than he was the Tommy Rich of a few years later. Yeah, he seemed alert. I mean, and again, I'm not trying to be funny, but he certainly you – know, Great, I, I, great work. Great word there. Well, I tackled 1989 in the NWA on my Grenade show. So literally, I watched every piece of TV that exists for the year of 1989. So I saw several months of Tommy Rich back, the first several months that he came back to the company. And uh, yeah, he seemed very alert, like he knew what was going on. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be funny with my words either, but that's that's the word I, I come up with there. Yeah, because the Tommy Rich that I hang out with that one night is, you know, a little less than a year after that. And he must have just given up by that point and decided to collect a paycheck. Well, you know my story. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Uh, but we're going to close out this program here with Freddie Miller standing by. Freddie going to interview Steve-O. Apparently, Steve, he had hosted this episode of TV. We're going to hear them close out the show as we head into the Omni, baby. Oh, that, that dusty, I don't care what Mr. Carson said. Don Carson, I'm going to ask Steve-O's opinion. You know, he says... He's this and that and not what we've introduced him as. And yet the fans take right to Dusty Rhodes like they do Tommy Rich and, uh, and you and Steve Kern. What And Ted DiBiase, what about, what about know, Dusty? Dusty Rhodes has one uh, particular characteristic about him is that I think he's very charismatic. Yeah. The people have something to associate with Dusty <laughs> Rhodes. They associate uh, what he stands for. He may not be the uh, perfect American dream, but in everybody's eyes, I think Dusty Rhodes is every much a bit of American dream as anything else. He's the, he's the gladiator. He's called himself a modern-day gladiator, and he is the gladiator. He goes out there and he fights for what he believes in, and I think the people kind of associate with that. They associate with Dusty Rhodes. It's kind of fun, exciting. Uh, the anticipation of what, uh, when Dusty Rhodes is going to appear, the anticipation of what Dusty Rhodes is going to do is overwhelming. But never has there been a, a person in professional wrestling quite like him. Very well done. Steve, you spoke well. Here, I'm going to get up and just thank you and thank John Carson. Thank the fans for tuning in. Our director is Skip Ellison. Stay tuned for Tush if you enjoy really good entertainment. So long, everybody. So stay tuned for Tush, Jamie. Uh, Steve-O putting over Dusty Rhodes, using Rhodes' own words as he is a modern-day gladiator, heading into that national title match against the Stomper tonight at the Omni, guys. Don't miss it. Be there! So here we go. 
Yeah, that was probably the finest Steve-O interview that we have heard since he arrived. He is progressing nicely. I mean, he could still probably use a little more uh, oomph in his interview. Yeah, he, he in his talk oomph. interview style. But he he was starting to get a little excited there while he was talking about Dusty. I mean, it's not hard to get excited talking about Dusty, but hey, it would have been great if he had broke into a Dusty imitation. But if Steve. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But if Steve can't get excited at this point, knowing what's coming up here, then this guy just—he's never going to be excited. <laughs> that's that's best I can say. Well, hey, they—they they don't give up on him. He's there for basically the rest of '81. Yeah, I, I know for a fact he's there through the summer. Beyond that, I don't really remember off the top of my head. But yeah, he's here for quite a while. Well, he gets hurt at the end of '81, but he's still around doing some interviews right up through the Thanksgiving show. Okay. So here we are, guys. We're off to the Omni, Atlanta, Georgia, March the 29th. Michael Hayes' birthday, for those who are keeping score. And the opener, going to see Kevin Sullivan score a win over Mike Davis. And then post-match, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Oldie and Gene Anderson, attacking Mike Davis while he's down on the mat, trying to make a statement here, I suppose, when Mr. Wrestling 2 is out to make the save, but he too is beaten down in a two-on-one situation. Until Steve Kern and Steve-O finally fight the Andersons off. The two teams will meet here in just a little bit on the card. Uh, Mr. Wrestling 2, though, he has had enough of the Andersons. Perhaps his guts here overshadowing his wiseness. Uh, Running into a two-on-one situation, never wise, Jamie. But the save was made. But I'm thinking Mr. Wrestling 2, he still wants his own revenge. Well, two is a grumpy old man, so he doesn't want other people doing his dirty work. Yeah, so uh, Steve Kern, Steve-O making the save there. They're going to take on the Andersons in just a little bit. Anderson's just out here making a statement. Really, I couldn't couldn't put two and two together here. I didn't understand the point of this initially when I saw this the first time I ever watched this. The Andersons coming out at the beginning of the show. It almost felt ECW-esque, where, where the, uh, the, e- the evil heels come out for no reason and just beat the living crap out of the jobber at the beginning of the show. Very true, but as we progress through the show, you're going to understand why they came out right. in the beginning. Right. In order to get there, we got to continue on with the show. Up next on the card, some results suggest that it was Bobby Eaton defeating Roberto Soto, but I've also read that Roberto Soto scored the win over Bobby Eaton, which makes more sense to me at this point. Eaton really hasn't been getting a whole lot of wins the last couple months, and Soto fresh back into the territory, so... If I'm guessing, I say Soto went over here. What say you, Jamie? I believe Soto probably went over. And also, it got by me. I did take a a peek. That was probably the end of Kevin Sullivan's run this time around. Uh, Sullivan going to finish up on the house shows somewhere around the somewhere in the first week of April. So he's about gone. Okay. Yeah, because I'm taking a look. I don't see his name popping up, but that doesn't mean you and I are looking at the same list. We go on. Here it is. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. Here, Here's the matchup. It's Steve Kern and Steve O battling the team of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. Remember, Kern and O were the guys that came out to make the save for Mike Davis in Wrestling 2 at the start of the show. And during the matchup, Don Carson had come ringside, but it was Dusty Rhodes showing up to run him off. Rhodes then remained ringside to make sure things were on the level Moving forward, Carson probably out there to try to do something with Steve-O to prevent him from potentially showing up in the corner of the dream later in the night. Irony, I know, because Carson sneaks back to ringside here for a second time and blasts 
a two-by-four over the back of the head of an unsuspecting Dusty Rhodes, knocking the dream out cold on the outside of the ring, and Dusty having to be stretchered out. Makes you worry about Rhodes' upcoming title match later tonight against Don Carson's stomper here. The matchup between the Andersons, Kern and O, I believe, a no contest. Yeah, you you mentioned it was up ECW style. This sounds like a Monday Night Raw taping. <laughs> when and Raw it, was good. When Raw was good, yeah. When it, Raw was good. Let's maybe maybe when Jerry Jarrett was booking it in 93. <laughs> no, but yeah, so here we go. Uh, they had a little showdown at the beginning of the show, the two teams. We really don't get a finish here between the two. Andersons don't go over, but neither do Kern and O. It's ruled a no contest, but the big story here happened outside of the ring. Don Carson comes out, lures Dusty out. Dusty remains ringside as Don Carson leaves, but then Carson sneak attack back with a two by four, blasting it, well, kind of blasting it over the head of Dusty Rhodes. Not a great job there by Carson, making it look real, but probably didn't want to piss Dusty off any more than he already had with those fat slop comments last week on TV. And now we know where Jim Duggan got the idea from. He stole from Don Carson. There you go. So what will happen to the American dream? Will he make it back to the ring in time for the main event here in the Omni? We'll have to wait and see. So from there, I guess you could call this a rematch of sorts from TV. Mr. Wrestling 2 once again scoring a win over Big Jim Duggan. And I'm sure Mr. 2 took some of his Anderson aggression out here on the future hacksaw. I don't like to see this match. You think two came in uh, grumpier than ever? Oh, a- absolutely. I mean, he he probably had a good time with Duggan on that TV match and said, oh, right, I can hit this guy pretty hard and it, it's not going to hurt him. Yeah, Duggan, all his aggressions, yeah. <laughs> Duggan never stood a chance to probably said, I'll work that guy again, no problem. And I'm sure the match was fun, but at the end of the day, the, the first matchup, I love the finish. Remember, it was the uh, Duggan putting the two on the top rope. Uh, right, Duggan putting two on the top rope, turning to the fans to brag and then turning back and catching that knee lift off the ropes from two i don't know what the finish was here i don't think they they showed this one on tv but it's cool to see them back in the ring again and once again the same outcome wrestling two going over as if there was ever a doubt also in town we talked about it wwf champion bob backland defeating russian bear ivan koloff so a new york type match booked all the way down here in atlanta georgia i bet you it was a nice solid match too well, it's like you said, they've worked in Florida, they've worked in New York. Their style never really changed. It was always a good wrestling match. So I'm sure that's what the fans here in Atlanta got as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm just guessing uh, Vince Sr. just wanted to get back on out there a little bit, especially to a, a national audience uh, besides his own national audience. Bob would randomly pop up, not as much as Graham did for Florida, but Bob would randomly pop up in a couple of the territories and clearly uh, the Omni, one of them. Of course, we didn't see Bob here appear on TV, on cable TV, heading in to this show, but he was honestly a last-minute announcement for this match, even though they did play that match we talked about last time here on the show. Uh, It was the Backlund winning the title from Superstar Cram all the way back in 78. They played that uh, here on Georgia TV a week or two ago. So it's not like this is the first time the fans are hearing of Bob Backlund in the last month on Georgia TV, so... Covering all the bases here is uh, the Cowboy. And that's what he does best, covers everything. I mean, odds are, well, not odds are, you know it, that that's the reason they didn't say Backlund's opponent coming up for the Omni show, because they knew they were going to, it was going to be him and Backlund, and you had the Tommy Rich 
DiBiase angle coming up. And like you said, man, that's what the Cowboy did best. Well, we've been waiting for this one, Jamie. It's the tag team matchup. Junkyard Dog and Wildfire Tommy Rich taking on the team of the national tag team champions, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, the fabulous Freebirds. And it is the Dog and Rich scoring the win over Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts here at non-title matchup. During the match, Michael Hayes stuck his nose into the match. And just as Dog promised on TV, he leveled Hayes with a series of headbutts to bust him wide open. Happy birthday, Michael. The finish saw Tommy Rich score the pin here over Buddy Roberts, while the JYD busy in the corner with Terry Gordy. But post-match, JYD turning around as Michael Hayes entering the ring, he seems to quote-unquote trip, and in the process, smeared the hair removal cream into the eyes of the junkyard dog, potentially blinding him yet again. Hey, it worked once. It can work again. But Michael Hayes promised, you know, on the show earlier on, there was the cream. You knew it was going to happen, and Hayes always delivers on what he says he's going to do. Yeah, so this is a fun match. We get about five minutes of the video coming up on the next episode of TV on April the 4th. They show quite a bit of this match. Now, I don't know how long it went on. I'm sure it went on a lot longer than five minutes, but we get enough of it that I fe- it felt fulfilling to me that like, I actually got to see enough of everything that was going on in the match and post-match here. And they keep telling the story that Hayes tripped as he got in the ring, but it doesn't explain why he had the hair removal cream on his hand to begin with. And, uh, you know, obviously it goes into the eyes of the dog and down goes JYD again. And this is the fun part here. I wanted to share a couple of things with you, Jamie, and with the listeners out there. Because remember, I was a kid during this time period. I didn't see any of this in the uh, original air dates that these took place. So I only got to hear about them until they became made available to me uh, again during the tape trading period. And it was the four pile drivers angle I first heard about on Dallas TV. Terry Gordy had came through in the late 80s for just a brief bit. And when he was there, I don't even remember who the commentator was because I want to say it was Craig Johnson, but he didn't pop until much later. But uh, somebody mentioned the angle about Terry Gordy pile driving Ted DiBiase four times, doing it on the concrete. And it stuck with me. Again, I was a big proponent of marking down, writing down every little storyline that I, I ever got wind of or any wrestler that I read about. I would write, write them in a notebook and try to learn about them. I, it was my own internet was, were, were notebooks. Growing up, that was I was like a historian at like age eight, right? So, <laughs> or trying to be that, anyway. Oh, that's an awesome memory because um, once again, even a world class, you had the Bill Watts influence because Hayes was booking uh, world class at that time. Yeah, because he had really turned it around. He was teaming up with Steve Do It To It Cox. Do It To It Cox. There you go. At, against. Um, <laughs> what, SST. What was it? Gordian Roberts also. Yeah. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. The, the SST and and then you had the Blackbirds at the same time. Yeah, it was it was good time. They really did turn that that area around. You're right because it was a lot of fun stuff going on there when Hayes was booking. And then Hayes went back to to uh, Crockett in '88, well, and that was the end of that. Got, got to go where the money's at. Oh yeah, can't blame him for that. But yeah, so but that was uh, that was a fun story about the four pile drivers. Is how I learned about it, and I waited and I couldn't wait till one day, boom, I got the tape. Oh my God, is this it? And th- indeed, it was. Didn't even know what was on the tape. And there it was, the four pile drivers angle. And it's much like this here with the, the hair removal cream. As a kid, I had assumed, at least as a teenager, I should say, uh, the early infancy of the Internet when I read about the, the blinding angle taking place in two separate territories. I had assumed they, they'd done it 
separately, both times, not alluding that it had happened in the other territories. So the first time I realized that, you know, it was a continuation, the storyline continued from Mid-South over to Georgia. I mean, I popped even bigger because just badass that you're continuing the story rather than pretending like it didn't happen here because we've seen that before where guys, something will work in a territory and they go somewhere else and they do it again. Or maybe somebody else yeah. saw something work in a territory and they go somewhere else and do it again like it never happened. But here they continue the story of the, the, the blinding of the dog. And I was fortunate enough, I think I've mentioned before, I was watching Mid-South Wrestling on the old satellite programming network. And that was the time period was the, the Hayes blinding JYD. I got to go for that ride. And then that, that kind of goes off the air. So I'm without any foreign wrestling for a little bit. And then, you know, my buddy across the street ends up getting TBS. And then I'm starting over there. And here's right back to the same storyline, like where I left off at. And so it was really cool at the time. Yeah. And so I've seen parts of that Mid-South feud between the birds, obviously, and JYD, the stuff that's available. And luckily, some of it's some of the most important parts of the feud. But I would have loved to have seen the weekly stuff, that the promos and things leading into all of the things going on there with the dog and Hayes and the cage and everything like that. But, hey, we got Georgia here, and I'll, I'll take that for a close second. So DiBiase on Saturday and potentially the dog here. 24 hours later, the birds may have wiped two guys out, it would appear. And I've never seen a heel, like you pointed out earlier, Jamie, keep his word more than Michael Hayes. Birthday bash indeed. And you can't say Hayes didn't warn him either. Oh, no, he point blank told him what was going to happen. And it happened. So during this whole run, with, without a doubt, the Freebirds are the top draw on the show, whether people wanted to admit it or not. Hayes is so hated during this time period, it's no wonder he was so loved when we fast forward about four months. I, I mean, he might have been more popular than Tommy Rich at that point. There is a period. We'll have to wait and see. I, I'm curious myself. I'm going to compare the two. Uh, it's been a while. I've watched a lot of the Michael Hayes stuff once he goes babyface. Spoiler, guys, I know. But um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm going to compare some of the pops and just everything going on. I'm, I'm really curious now that you brought that up, the popularity of Hayes and Tommy Rich there. But um, let's remove the names from the angle. That's a lot of big names. It's hard to remove them all. But I don't want anybody to think just putting this over because it's the free birds. DiBiase, Dog, Tommy Rich. That's a lot of huge names from the time period. Let's just look at the story for what it is. Let's call it A, B, and C versus X, Y, and Z. And even still, the weekly story, it's just been amazing to follow. And it has deeper layers as it goes all the way back more than a year Throughout two territories here, I just it goes beyond the guys involved. Yes, they help things tremendously, but the story itself, man, it doesn't get any better. No, not at all. I mean, you, we as we just covered it, the, you know, DiBiase was also involved in that Freebird angle in Mid South, along with JYD and Colonel Buck Robley. and then you fast forward to the Freebirds coming to Georgia, and they're about three months into their run, and. Robert Fuller needs a partner, and who shows up? But Ted DiBiase is a guy who's already feuded with the Freebirds. And then, of course, Philadelphia's own Stan Frazier is also in that mix. And then they injure Frazier, they injure Fuller, and then here comes JYD in to help out because he has the past history with the Freebirds. And it's just been all so laid out so well all the way up to here. 
Right. I mean, it was Ted DiBiase night, according to Tommy Rich and the Junkyard Dog. They do score the win, so they did that much for Teddy. But post-match, immediately, JYD possibly blinded again. So the Freebirds still come out. Maybe they didn't win the battle, but maybe they continue to win the war. We'll have to wait and see what happens at the end of the day. As we roll on, one more matchup here in the Omni. The main event for the National Heavyweight Championship. It was supposed to be the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, but Dusty sent to the hospital after that attack with the 2x4 on behalf of Don Carson. So instead, it's the corner man, Steve Olsonowski, stepping in. Ah, now it all makes sense, Jamie. Steve-O going to defeat national heavyweight champion Mongolian Stomper to become the new national title holder. Uh, using his finisher, the airplane spin to get the win. So that recent TV match between O and the Stomper, it makes a lot more sense now as well. It basically it readied O and the fans for the title change here at the Omni. Using the finisher that seemed to have the Stomper beat on TV. Remember Don Carson running into the match to stop that from happening. But here O going to hit it again and score the win. Not my most favorite move for a finisher, but it is what it is. And more excellent cowboy booking here. Even if I don't see Steve-O as a long-term champion, still, I love the build-up to get us here. And we've laid it out more than once. It's been a slow burn, just like the free burn angle. And it all led up to here. Now, I'm going to guess, even though they've never said it on uh, Georgia TV, uh, Gordon has never issued that this line, but I wonder if the cowboy has... Steve-O using that finisher on the stomper because the stomper does have ear issues. Oh, yeah. I never got yeah, that, that would going be back equilibrium, to, right? Yeah, that could. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you go. Right, going back. I forget who he was feuding with at that point in January. It might have been Tony Atlas, or it might have even been Wrestling 2. Wrestling 2 did make weird. reference to that, yeah. He had the equilibrium issue. So you get him up in the airplane spin, and logic tells you if you're up there in that, your equilibrium is going to get thrown off. So... It makes you um, easily to be pinned. I, I forget the word I, I want to use. I'm, I'm, well, I may have to uh, refer to you as the new uh, great explainer rather than Bill Watts because I would have <laughs> never thought of that in a million years. I would love to have heard Gordon mention that on TV because that sounds like a Gordon line, if anything. You know, he always explained everything as well as far as um, things making sense in the ring. Yeah, when I watched the, the April 4th episode, and of course they're going to show this, I was waiting for that, but I, I never did hear it. I had never even thought I completely forgot about that because that was a big deal in January and February. They were selling that, that hearing issue of the Mongolian stuff, inner ear issue that he had. And then it really hasn't been made reference of uh, as much recently, but he's kind of been phased out a little bit on television anyway, even though he's the national champion, he's still scoring wins, but he hasn't been doing a whole lot else uh, really since he attacked Tony Atlas that I can remember on TV, but he has had a couple matches here. Well, he was supposed to have a couple matches here with Dusty and the Omni, but uh, here we are, the new national heavyweight champion, Steve-O, coming out of the Omni. Can't wait till the next episode of Regional Wrestling to cover that episode of TV. But before we close this one, Jamie, I have uh, three more house shows to run through, and then we can kind of close, wrap things up in a nice, neat bow for the month of March as we head into April. All right, keep going, babe. All right, let's do it then. March the 30th, 1981, of course, Augusta, Georgia at the Bell Auditorium. Jim Duggan going to a draw with Roberto Soto. It's Steve-O. I don't know if he's referenced as the national champion here or not. On the undercard, Steve-O scoring a win over Bobby Eaton. 
Mr. Wrestling 2 over Les Thornton. It's Mongolian Stomper defeating Charlie Cook and Wildfire Tommy Rich teaming with Steve Kern to defeat the fabulous Freebirds. Again, must have been non-title or maybe a DQ here, and it's just not noted in the results online. Also, April the 1st, Columbus, Georgia, Memorial Auditorium. I feel more Oates Brothers coming, Jamie. It's Steve-O defeating Mighty Yankee. Roberto Soto scoring a win over Big Jim Duggan. Here we go. Jerry Oates with a win over Steve Kern. Battle of the Baby Faces, probably a fun little scientific matchup. And then the feud goes on for the third week in the row. Ted Oates battling Bobby Eaton. I would like to have seen this mini feud here in oh. Columbus. Maybe they did something on TV for this, do you think? No doubt on the Columbus uh, show, they probably uh, went back and forth. I mean, and then they put it in a cage. So if you're a Columbus fan, you've got to be excited. Your hometown uh, boys are both victorious that night. And it got past me, but Jerry beat Steve Kern. Yeah, Steve Kern obviously also slowly on his way out. Kern going to hang around for most of the month of April, but he'll be phased out and eventually disappear by the end of April. So Kern, we're not probably not going to see him get too many more big wins here in Georgia at this point. But yeah, Jerry Oates scoring a win over Steve Kern. So the Oates still undefeated in the last few weeks here in their city of Columbus. And like you said, Ted Oates defeating Bobby Eaton in a steel cage match. They bring it back. Last week it was a street fight. This week a cage match. They upped their game. So it makes you wonder what Bobby did on TV or maybe what he did after the street fight last week to give a reason to bring this back a third time because I'm pretty sure Oates has beaten Eaton in the ring all three times. Yeah, they must have ran some kind of angle, absolutely. And the main event here in Columbus, if the Oates didn't draw it, maybe this match did. Tommy Rich going to team up with Robert Fuller. There he is again. I, this may be yeah, his Yeah, one last more match. time. Uh, it's Fuller and Tommy Rich over the team of Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts here in the city of Columbus. And one more house show, guys. We're going to wrap it up here as far as results go this week. April the 3rd, Florence, Alabama. I don't have the finishes, but a couple of fun matches to note here in the Lauderdale County Coliseum. It's Jim Duggan taking on Roberto Soto, Bobby Eaton, and Steve-O. Jim Powell, this is fun. Jim Powell scheduled to take on Burhead Jones. Cool to see him slide into Georgia for this matchup in Florence, Alabama. And in the main event, it was scheduled to be the Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts taking on Tommy Rich and Ted DiBiase. Something tells me that didn't happen. Who subbed for DiBiase? I have no idea. Was it Tommy Rich and Burhead Jones? We can only hope. Uh, I'm just going to guess looking at the card. We probably got a Roberto Soto action there with Tommy Rich. It's pretty likely. Or, so Soto Steve-O. It could be either one, but you know, I was looking at Steve-O when you said that, but after you said Soto, he did replace DiBiase, I believe, last week, or, or maybe maybe it was yeah Chattanooga, Saturday night after the incident took place on TV, so it could have been either one. But uh, that's where we are. I don't have the results for that show in Florence, but anytime I see a show outside of Georgia, I like to give you guys any information I can on it, and that's where we're at right now. As we wrap things up, next episode, Jamie, we're going to come back with the April 4th edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling on WTBS. The fallout from that Omni card, and boy, it's a doozy. Lots of sound bites coming up on the next episode of Regional Wrestling. And I'm looking forward to it, because we're going to get to see, not the TBS debut, but at least from the time that we're covering things, of the Nature Boy. Ric Flair returning to the area. Yes, he's named the number one contender for the World Heavyweight title, Harley Race's belt. And the Nature Boy, gonna, you're right, he's going to return next week. We're going to hear a couple promos from old Nature. 
See him in the ring a couple times as well on TV. So Nature Boy Ric Flair returning. We're going to hear from Steve-O. He's going to do a lot of talking. He's going to talk about uh, the the situation with uh, the, the match with the Andersons that he had that night with Steve Kern and the Omni. But he's also going to talk about becoming the new national heavyweight champion. So we're going to hear from Steve-O, no doubt about that. Lots of promos, lots of continuing of the angles here on the next episode of April 4th, Georgia TV. So you guys get ready and be excited for it. So much coming up. Tommy Rich going to take on Michael Hayes' bounty hunter, the Invader. We'll see how that turns out for Mr. Purely Sexy. And just so much more going on. The fun part of the episode two is we're going to go back and we're going to watch the highlights of that matchup between the Birds taking on the dog and Tommy Rich. And we're going to watch it twice because we're going to hear first from Tommy Rich's perspective. And then we're going to hear from the Freebirds, Michael Hayes' perspective of how things turned out. So a really cool, great idea there. Hour one, Tommy Rich. Hour two, it's Michael Hayes. And they do it far enough apart that it doesn't drive you crazy watching the same video twice. But I loved it because we got to hear the good guy's point of view and the heel's point of view as well. And that's one of the things that made Georgia so great. This wasn't the only time that this ever occurs. It is an ongoing theme. But with the uh, Freebirds, it's, it's always a unique take on what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> I mean, their takes are, are even more unique than Don Carson's takes. And that's saying a lot. And when you say they, I mean, you mean Michael Hayes. Oh, yeah, Michael Hayes. I mean, (laughs) Terry and Buddy, well, he's just Buddy here, not Buddy Jack. But they're still part of the act. I don't know if Hayes gets over on his own without the other two guys. Oh, definitely not, because he has to back it up in the ring. And he can't do that at this point. He's adequate, but he's not to the level of a main eventer, I would say. Yeah, because he'd have to be, it would be another one of those things, kind of like when they brought Piper in. That we'll visit later on. That's uh, uh, Mr. Piper uh, Rod Piper. Yeah, he doesn't get in the ring right away. It takes a while for it takes Piper quite a while. to finally get in the ring. Yeah. That's right, yeah. And Vince kind of did the same thing. He didn't use Roddy right away. I don't think he was planning to. And then he realized, this guy gets too much heat. I got to get him in the ring. Thought Piper was too small when he brought him in up there to New York to begin with. Had him managing guys, and he was a great mouthpiece. But that heat, man, you just can't deny it. Roddy Piper was amazing. But yeah, you're right. Michael Hayes, he he was perfect as a tag team wrestler, I always thought. When they tried to have him go singles in 89 up there in the NWA, that did not work for me. It actually worked for me. I was sorry to see him turn heel after that. The heel turn was good, and it was anything was better than that milquetoast babyface nonsense he was giving us for the first few months after returning to the company. Don't get me wrong. But as a U.S. champion, even if it was for a couple weeks, I get that they did that in order to, I guess, make us realize where he's established on the card, a semi-main eventer. I get why they did what they did, taking the belt off Luger and Luger winning it back. But I just, I didn't buy into that singles run. I always enjoyed Michael Hayes as a heel, uh, well, as a heel, but I meant as a, as a tag team, specifically with the Freebirds. I liked some of his stuff with Jimmy Garvin. It depended on what they were doing, depended on the timeline. Uh, but obviously, I loved his stuff with Gordy and Roberts, whether it was Mid-South, Georgia, Dallas, etc. Yeah, they were in many places, even Mid-South and, uh, not Mid-South, Mid-Atlantic and Florida. I can't imagine the money they gave up uh, in New York after they got fired just after a few weeks there, because it seemed like a perfect time to come in right at the inception of that rock and wrestling time period, the fabulous Freebirds, but it just wasn't meant to be. Now, I mean, I've done some fantasy booking with uh, John McAdam on that point. 
and we could see the Freebirds actually being in that main event against Hulk Hogan in some some manner. Wow! Whether it yeah. had been whether it had been Gordy or you know a tag team match, all three Freebirds against Hogan, Snuka, and you know you could still have Mr. T in there, and you know Mr. T pins Buddy Roberts. Oh, of course. Like, I, I was going to say when but, as soon as, as, soon as you mentioned that, I was going to say. Mr. T going to make Buddy Roberts bump around the ring. <laughs> yeah, at at some you know at some point probably right after the New Year, it winds up being the the Freebirds that turn on Dave Wolf and Cindy Lauper. Right. Yeah, and that would have made sense, and it would have been oh wow, that would have been crazy over. Oh, absolutely. We're but, the real uh, rock and roll baby, Michael Hayes. <laughs> so, good but stuff. some things just aren't meant to be, just stuff. like. Bill Watts booking Georgia for the rest of his life. Yeah, unfortunately, George Scott going to come in for a couple of months there, and then Ole Anderson going to take over by the end of summer, and Ole's going to hold that book all the way until he's forced to uh, resign, if you will, and, and of course creates uh, championship wrestling from Georgia, but that, that's another story. Yeah, that's a while away yet. <laughs> right now we're enjoying the goodness of 1981, and I hope you guys are too. Jamie, man, I, if there's anything you want to add at the end of the show, if you have anything else you want to touch on, man, we've got a couple of minutes here still left in the program, so have at it. Okay, well, I, first I'd like to uh, throw a couple plugs out there. One for my buddies over at the Other Ship podcast. I actually recorded with them last night, and we did a, um, a Fantasy Crockett Cup that features 128 teams. Uh, they sent ballots out of the uh, matches to um, so many of their uh, membership. Uh-huh. And those people voted, and then last night um, we talked about the results of that that vote. And it's a nice long show; it's almost three hours long. Wow, uh, very informative. Uh, those guys also, besides wrestling, uh, you know, they talk about the current product. They go over all the pay per views when they occur, or mm-hmm. but what do they call them now? Not pay per views. Um, uh, premium live. Events? Premium live events. Is that there what it is? Okay. I still call them pay per views. Yeah, so do I. So they go over stuff like that. They, uh, a couple of the guys have a little segment where they talk about different malt liquors. Um, they'll talk. They'll, they'll talk about Marvel. They'll talk about Star Wars. They did a top ten Led Zeppelin songs the other day. They touch on food. These guys touch on everything. So if you guys get a chance, it's on Spotify or whatever you listen to your podcast on. The name of that podcast again, Jamie. The other ship. I second with Chris that. Chris Spiker, Drew Samuels, and Michael Herrick. Good people, Good people, fun show. I've listened to the show a, a few times already. Typically, when I go to bed, and I'm not saying that as a knock, you don't put me to sleep, guys. I don't use you for that reason, but it's just a nice, calming, you know, it's, you talk, like you said, they touch on a little bit of everything. So that's what I want to hear. Not just wrestling, but just a little bit of everything. You never know where they're going to go next. And it's just a fun time. And it's, something that you can just unwind and listen to. Yeah. And uh, I want to throw another plug out there to an old friend. I don't know if you're familiar with the name Brian Trammell. He I supplied have. most most of the uh, Memphis tapes back in the 80s to people, the, the live 90-minute version of the yeah. show. Brian, for the last several years, has been doing uh, a podcast called The Cool Kids Podcast. And that focuses on wrestling. It's not only the current product. They'll go back and check out an old Observer issue and see if the uh, things from the Observer hold up through today. Uh, Memphis has their own little promotion again for the last couple of years. 
and it airs on a local, I think, WB channel or CW channel, rather. And he does a live um, post-game show of that. So uh, Brian recently checked out our podcast, gave me some good feedback. And so I just wanted to uh, throw Brian a bone and have everyone, if you get a chance, check out the, uh, the Cool Kids podcast. And while we're putting people over, Jamie, not that he needs it, but Barry Rose, sent, he didn't have to do this. He sent me a, a very kind message, uh, basically putting over the show, said he never really listened. He doesn't really listen to podcasts, but uh, somebody, maybe, maybe somebody on this show, I don't know, but somebody uh, gave him a word to maybe check it out. He listened to the last episode where you were talking about his Florida Fan Fest and uh, just put us over, said it was a very professional show and said he really enjoyed that, you know, what what we do here and he was appreciative that you know we that you talked at, at length about some of the things that went on at Florida Fan Fest, and um, yeah, it was just a really nice little quick conversation I had with Barry, and uh, just appreciated the kind comments uh, from him as well. Yeah, Barry's a class act. Uh, he doesn't live that far from me. We get together every now and then uh, with my wife and his girlfriend, and we go out to dinner or something like that. And uh, Barry's become a very good friend. But I can tell you, I haven't really bothered him about our podcast because I know he had so much going on. I'm sure that was the guys from the other ship that got in his ear and talked him into uh, listening to our podcast. Well, whoever it was, I appreciate you guys letting him know that, you know, we spend a little time on the last episode just uh, putting over the Florida Fan Fest. It deserved to be. Like you said, it wasn't one of those cattle call type, uh, the old auction type deals or anything where or anything or to step up, sign a paper and move on kind of deal. It was a really good time. And you really spent some time explaining, breaking it down to us, and I really appreciate that, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners did as well. I got some good feedback about that and, and the Fan Fest, and maybe if he does anything on a bigger or smaller schedule or scale moving forward, maybe it'll draw a few more people in, because I got some people that were, were interested after the uh, show we did, because you made it sound like you, you know, like it, like, well, what it was, you were very much in with the wrestlers, you know, you felt like one of them, you know, they treated you like an equal, a human being, if you will. Uh, I had a great experience on the first time that I went, uh, I'm waiting for my Uber to show up and, uh, who comes sitting down right next to me in the lobby, but JJ Dillon, because he's waiting for his ride to come. And the two of us just sat there for about a half hour and we didn't even talk pro wrestling. We talked the state of Delaware. I, I knew he was from Delaware, and my father grew up in Delaware. Okay. So we, we talked about different places in Delaware, and, and actually where J.J. was born was just where I had vacationed a couple months earlier on, a place called Broadkill, Delaware. Well, I'm glad that was you and not me, because outside of pointing to it on a map, I know absolutely nothing about the state of Delaware, I'm sad to say. Well, it's small, so it's <laughs> there's some cities that are bigger than the state of Delaware. But anyway, that's like one of the other cool things that has happened to me on one of those trips. But uh, Barry was on the other ship uh, podcast that came out this week. And for any of those that ever want to attend like one of his events, uh, he is reforming. He's going into a partnership with uh, a gentleman named Captain Nick Massey that holds a lot of um, virtual Autograph, um, autograph signings, right. yes, online. And uh, he also goes to some other events where he'll like be representing the, the wrestler that's at the event. They're having a big thing up in Springfield, yeah. Massachusetts this weekend. And I, I think he has Luger and Kurt Angle as his main two guys. Well, anyway, awesome. get to get back. It sounds like they're going to try the, a similar 
thing. Uh, but instead of focusing on Florida wrestlers, it's going to be just wrestling in general. Some guys might even be the current thing. They're hoping to do it with the same um, same kind of attitude where they want to keep it small and try to keep it reasonably priced. So if you do get it, if they, once they announce it, I'll let everyone know. And if you want to go, you won't be sorry that you went. Oh, yeah. Be sure to stay tuned, guys, because whatever inf- information you get, Jamie, we'll definitely put it here on the show. Sounds good. Like I said, Barry's a good friend, so I like to help Barry out any way I can. But then again, I like to help everybody out. I'm one of those guys, right? <laughs> well, you're a good you're a good man, Jamie Ward. Good well, thank man, you, Charlie sir. Brown. <laughs> and I do fall once in a while. <laughs> Does your wife pull the football out in front of you? Yeah, she would. <laughs> Very competitive. <laughs> I know how that goes. All right, Jamie, I guess that'll wrap things up here this week on the show. I mean, uh, anything else you got to say? Anything else you want to touch on as far as Georgia goes or wrestling goes in general? Or are we good to go here this week? No, I think we're pretty good. I just hope that everyone at, out there that is listening, please contact Rarei and let us know, you know how we're doing. And the same goes for make sure you listen to my buddy Roman Gomez when he's on with, with Ray. Yeah. Give us feedback. That, that's how we get better when we hear whether we're doing a good job or a bad job or maybe there's just something like you don't like to hear me say, oh, a lot. Let us hear it. <laughs> well, I try to edit those out, kayfabe here, brother. But, yeah, I just dropped a new episode with Roman on Mid-South 1986. Just turned into the Universal Wrestling Federation Fun Times Ahead and Cowboy Bill Watts' other promotion, not just Georgia here in 81, but Mid-South 86. So the Cowboy everywhere for me right now, and I ain't complaining, Jamie. But that's going to wrap it up here this week. So I want to appreciate you for uh, coming on board yet again and talking another weekend. Closing out the month of March, our three months down, nine to go here in 1981. A quarter of a way through 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Long way to go, but we've had a lot of fun thus far. Jamie, just appreciate you here for the ride. And in the words of Gordon Soley, so long for the peach state of Georgia. And so long from the Buckeye State of Ohio. Uh-uh. <laughs> okay, guys, that's going to wrap us up here this week. Going to be back soon with more Territory Goodness. And a special thanks again to Jamie Ward, and I am your host, Ray Russell. You can find me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. And we'll be back soon. More Georgia 81, more UWF 86, right here on Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Mm-hmm.